0: Hey, you like writing. Have you ever wanted to write a best-selling book? How about 76 best-selling books? One for each trombone. James Patterson's done it. Now he's teaching people his process in his class at masterclass.com. Learn his prolific ways through 22 video lessons in a 40-page workbook. From idea to outlining to marketing your book, learn more at masterclass.com nerdist. We also find world class instruction from the likes of Dustin Hoffman, Serena Williams, and Annie Leibovitz. Uh, I've seen the Dustin Hoffman one, and it's really cool. And I'm not an actor, but it's absolutely fascinating. I'm going to check out the James Patterson one too. That's masterclass.com/nerdist. Check it out.
1: Now entering nerdist.com.
0: My name is Ben Blacker. I'm the creator and moderator of the Nerdist Writers Panel. I'm also a television writer myself, having written for Supernatural, Super Ninjas, uh, DreamWorks, Puss in Boots, and currently FX's new series, Cassius and Clay. Follow me on Twitter, at Ben Blacker, and let me know who you'd like to see on this show. I'm always looking for new ideas for guests, and you can always find out about live Nerdist Writers Panels. Go to writerspanel.tumblr.com. As ever, if you enjoy the show, please leave a review on iTunes, and thanks for listening.
2: It's the Nerdist Writers' Panel, and it's hosted by Ben Blacker, where he gets a bunch of writers, and he asks them lots of questions, and it's starting now, so this will be the end of the
0: theme. To go down the line, and hopefully by the time we get to Craig, he'll be, he'll be mocked up. Uh, but starting here with Rob, uh, please just introduce yourself, tell us what we know you from, where we've seen your name on TV. Uh, this is so the podcast audience will know
3: what your voice is. Sure, sure. Uh, I'm Rob Doherty. Uh, the last four years, people would know me from elementary. Uh, Heard of it? <laughs> uh, <laughs> our fourth season will start soon. Uh, prior to that, uh, I worked on a show called Medium for six seasons with, uh, with this gentleman to my left, Craig Sweeney.
1: Thank you. Very welcome. Aline? Hi, my name is Aline Brosh McKenna. I'm the co-creator and executive producer of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Love it. And um, I'm new, well, I I was in television many years ago, but I'm a recent return to television. After doing um, screenplays for many years, I've written eight movies, the best known, of which is The Devil Wears Prada. Sure.
0: Please hold your applause. I'm
4: Craig Sweeney. I successfully mic'd myself up. Uh, I I developed the TV version of Limitless, and I'm the executive producer of that. Uh, And before that, I worked with Rob on elementary for three years. Um, And before that, I worked with Rob on medium for six years.
0: So, Rob, you kind
3: of made him. I don't like to say it, but. Uh, <laughs> well, I, but, but you can. Sure, sure. <laughs> Thank you. David. Uh,
2: uh, my name David Rosenthal. I've never worked with Rob. Um,
3: <laughs> but
2: uh, I'm currently working on uh, Jane the Virgin. Um, before that, I spent uh, several years working on a show called The Middle on ABC, and before that, uh, uh, Gilmore Girls. So. Okay. Um, yeah.
0: Start with you, and I'm going to ask all of you basically what your day looked like today. Uh, what, where are you in the process of making your show? What does a day look like for a showrunner? But I want to start with David. You are the you're the strong number two. I am.
2: I <laughs> <laughs> I'm the occasionally strong number two. <laughs> the most exhausted number two. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm the, uh, yeah Jenny Irman uh, who created the show. Uh, fell ill, so uh, she could not be here tonight, so uh, I, I'm here in her stead, and, uh, yeah, I'm her uh, I'm her second-in-command.
0: Uh, and I'm thrilled that you could be here. And what I specifically wanted to ask you uh, is hearing your credits, I mean, coming from the middle... I, I had talked to Jenny, uh, I think maybe six months ago, and that podcast is out there for people who want to hear it. Uh, talk, we talked a lot about the role of comedy on Jane the Virgin, and, and the line you guys have to walk between drama and comedy and melodrama. Um, can you talk a little bit about that, and, and how is comedy represented in the writing
2: staff? Uh, sure. Yeah, it's a very—I mean, all credit to Jenny. It's a—it's an incredibly unusual mix of of comedy and drama and melodrama and, and murder and <laughs> kidnapping. I mean, it's really an odd mix, but she she managed to just create the show, and it's there right in the pilot, and, and it, uh, uh, that that is just a, a kind of seamlessly blends all all these genres and. uh for us, I mean, I'm, you know, I consider myself a comedy writer. Um, some, of the, some of the writers on staff are, were just jo- drama writers and kind of just realized that they'd become comedy writers. They didn't, <laughs> didn't even know it. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's really, uh, uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I, the show, if, it, if you really have to start with the drama. You have to start with the emotion. Um, and then layer in the comedy. Like uh, Ultimately, I think our job is to tell emotional stories and you know find the truth in, in the, the character's journey and then find a way to make it, A, interesting, and B, funny. Uh, that's sort of, and I apologize,
0: I'm going to interrupt all of you guys okay. uh, a lot, because I, I do want to dig deep on some of these things. But so was that kind of the job, even on the middle? I mean, you, it wasn't, it's an emotionally
2: true show. Definitely, definitely, but... Uh, With the middle, when you're writing just a strict half-hour comedy, you're really, like, every other line is a laugh. I mean, it really, there is that kind of, like, precise joke writing where, uh, you know, no matter what conversation they're having, you know, every other sentence, you're you're going to have a... Try to get a laugh, at least. Um... And so, uh, you know, that's a very specific kind of writing and, and, a, and a very specific skill. And you can bring that to a show like Jane the Virgin or most one hours I've worked on, but that's not really the emphasis. It's like the emphasis is, you know, you can always make it funnier. So, the, really, the, you're just trying to write a script that's emotionally satisfying and, and, and a story that's surprising and interesting. And then you go back through and you try to make it as funny as you possibly can. But um, the, the, I mean, definitely the middle, uh, uh, a lot of a tremendous emphasis on character, and that's always where it starts, I think. Any, anybody would tell you that. Any, any good show, it always starts with character. But um, it's, just, it's just, I think, in, in, in the middle writer's room, it's just a group of people who are all just incredibly good at writing jokes, you know? And, like, there's just a relentless... You're constantly, constantly laughing and trying to make each other laugh. Whereas a show like Jane, you know, you're, you're talking about, you know, you can spend hours and hours not laughing because you're focused on the drama and the heartache and the emotion and... Um, and, uh, and that would never happen in the middle. I mean, you just you just would not go more than five minutes without saying something or trying to say something funny. That,
0: yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And just so we get this out of the way, uh, because, is it because of your comedy background and your comedy chops that you were given
2: control of the Rogelio... Uh, (laughs) yeah uh yeah i'd never i'd never tweeted before frankly and and uh jenny asked me to to do this for helio twitter feed so i i thought i would and it turns out i have a lot more to say as a narcissistic (laughs) arrogant fictional telenovela star than i do as 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 myself so yeah that's been fun and the actor who's the guy jaime Camille, who's an incredibly talented funny actor and is a huge telenovela star uh in in latin america he uh I'm pretty sure he thinks that's all I do is, 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 is run his Twitter feed. He really, he, he loves it. So, uh, yeah, no, I, I basically, I, with that, I'm just trying to make him laugh. So, yes, I do.
0: That's hilarious. Um, all right, and I want to get back to our original question. So we'll kind of loop around on you, David. But uh, Craig, yes, what sir. did you do today? Where are you in production? What's going on? How much are you in the room? How much are you not in the room? What's happening? Uh, well,
4: I started the day by begging my wife not to go to Cincinnati, where she was headed, um, because uh, we are uh, we ha- we are working on the tenth episode of the season, um, so the- which is theoretically approaching the end of the order that we have. Um, uh, we th- things have gotten very, you know. The- there's been a lot of debate over whether the show is an eight day show or a nine day show, and uh, as a result, that.
0: all know what that means. Should
4: we take a
2: minute
4: to explain that?
2: Maybe we should take a
3: minute. Sure. Um, For the podcast. You
4: guys know. An eight day show is a show that takes eight business days to shoot, uh, and a nine day show is a show that takes nine business days to shoot.
2: Ours is an eight day show God, we shoot in seven days. I was going to say, I thought yeah. you guys
0: had a much shorter
4: yeah. schedule. Yeah. Anyway, the point is, um, we're, we're, the deadlines are very tight right now, and we are uh, we are collectively writing a script at the moment, um, which is referred to as gang banging in the business. Uh, yeah, which we, we we well actually we we. We renamed it uh, Voltroning because uh, it just seemed more positive. It seemed like uh, it seemed less less disgusting. Um, uh, so my day was spent uh, doing my share of that. I wrote the third act of our tenth episode. And I took a notes call on uh, I took a notes call on that outline as well in the morning. Uh, I took VFX calls. Uh, I drove to Warner Brothers and did the mix, the sound mix for our fifth episode. Um, I went to. Kurtzman Orsi Productions with uh, one of our writers and worked on the story for 111. Um, so I was kind of it was all over the place today. That,
0: that's intense. Yes. Uh, has it been like that since production started?
4: Yes. <laughs> is this the first script that you
0: guys have getting written? Uh, that is how I heard it referred to. So you know, a new generation of writers is coming through and getting rid of those filthy words.
4: It's it's not the first time that we have convened Voltron, um, but it is the last mission of Voltron for a while. Uh, the last the, the, from about episode seven on, things have been very tight. So there have been some. You know, I mean, the, the the writer of record, obviously we want that person to have time to write all of his or her own drafts, And we're, we're sort of digging our way back to that. But, uh,
0: but this is it, it's, it's a thing, like, this is not a shameful thing, we should say. Like, this is a thing that happens, and it's rarely talked about uh, publicly, but it's just a necessity of once a show is running it's a moving training and you know if you're doing 10 episodes
4: 20 episodes whatever it is yeah so we have three we have three approved episodes right now um, all of which were in some part of the process but the, the one at the very beginning of that is the, is obviously the one with the tightest turnaround and so yeah the, the staff will do um, you know we have a great staff and I'll, they'll everybody's turning in their stuff tonight I'll give them notes and get a full draft, some kind of Franken draft tomorrow, and do my thing to it over the weekend. Yeah, uh,
0: makes sense. And if yeah. listen, it gets
4: the job done. Uh, I think I think more 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 of your favorite episodes than you think have probably been written that way. Okay. Yeah, okay. yeah. Uh,
0: Elaine, what was your day like? What
1: happened? Uh, well, it's fun for me because it's a totally different experience from being alone in a room writing screenplays, um, and it's just it might be interesting for people to know that today, in some fashion or another, I touched. 102, which means the second episode, season one, episode two. Um, I touched 102, 104, 105, 106. No, 107 wrapped yesterday, so I didn't do anything with that. 108, re- had a, had redid that. Did our, had our concept meeting on 109, turned in the 110 to the network, and worked on 111, and then turned in the story arenas for 12 and 13.
3: What
1: well, I'm here <laughs> was perfect. So 103 is in the phase of it's locked. Oh, I'm sorry.
3: <laughs>
1: I That's it. wrong. I listened to the music cues for oh, 103 nice. today and p- proved that my I think I pretty much kept, I don't I, I didn't 107 cuz it wrapped yesterday. And I'm trying to think if there was anything that anybody came up to me and talked about today. I think there was something like Rachel needs, because one of the unique challenges of our show is that my creative partner is the lead actor in the show, and she's in 75 80% of the scenes. So I'm always trying to get her feedback, her opinion, her guidance, and sort of like incorporate her into our process, because she's not in the room with us. Um, but the funny thing is that she changes, her office is down the hall from ours and, and she has a shower and stuff there. So she's literally down the hall from the writer's room. So she often bursts in before she, she, she rehearses a scene, then she bursts in for a second and says, I miss you guys, what's going on? And then she runs back and changes and then she comes out in full makeup. And, you know, yesterday it was like big false eyelashes and her hair's all done and she's in a gown. And she ran in and talked to us for two seconds and then ran out. Um, so that's a unique challenge that we have that other shows don't have, which is that we have to loop Rachel in. So we also Rachel and I work alone every weekend, which is a is, is a little bit different. But you know, I've really enjoyed going from the solo weirdo in my office, um, eating weird handfuls of food by myself to being uh, in a bunch room with a bunch of other weirdos eating solo handfuls of weird food as a group. Um, so you know it's, it's, it's a really fun process. You, you do have to remember what's going on in each episode. And in terms of writing them communally, we every show has its own process in terms of how you incorporate writers and mm-hmm. in the writer of the episode. Uh, I go out of my way to make sure that the writer of the episode has custody of their own creation. So no matter how much it gets rewritten, either by me or by the room, I always turn it back over to the writer of the episode so that they can go through it and understand where what we've done. And they come to all the concept meetings with me and all the production meetings with me. And then they're on the set for their episode. So they really, it's their, it feels like their episode, no matter how much it gets rewritten. And some of them do and some of them don't. Mm-hmm. But it's an important and really fun part of our process to have each episode writer go through that experience. And it's, it's fun for them because when they're in the room, and their episode is being worked on, they really have that sense of they're you know, leading the charge there. We give them the marker to the board you know, so they can kind of lead the charge on it. And I think that's a good um, morale builder if you have the time and the resources to do that.
0: That's a really interesting way to approach it. I mean, you are literally having them write down the episode as it's created. Um, I'm curious how, like, who's steering the ship at that point?
1: Well, uh, what do you mean, when they're is writing there, on the board? Yeah,
0: like when a writer is on episode or even yeah. breaking it in the room.
1: So they'll go, They we. I mean, everybody does it differently. So we have arenas and outlines. So we do mm-hmm. an arena, that, that, the the writer does an arena, we go over it.
0: And the arena is usually like a one page. It's a couple
1: pages, pages, yeah. And then they have to do an outline. We have to revise that. Then they do a draft, and we revise that. And it sort of depends on what condition they come in with, how much they get rewritten, um, and and it's not really. I wouldn't say it's a qualitative thing. It's you know sometimes it is obviously, but it's it's more about like our show in particular has a very specific tone, so we were shaping that and evolving that as it went. Um, but they 're always on the call with me for their episode for everything the casting call the every meeting that i 'm going to that has to do with um, you know their their episode they 're with me on so that they go through the whole process and then when we 're when we're rewriting um, you know the, one of the things is that person has lived with that episode for a week in their house or wherever they wrote it, so they if I short-circuit them and jump around stuff, I'm going to not see things that they're like, oh, no, no, if you ski over that patch, you're going to fall into that hole because they've already been there. Yeah. So we use them as our, like, Sherpas through the episode um, always, and I always try and, and kind of um, nudge the tennis ball back to them whenever I can.
0: Well, that's terrific. I mean you're creating future showrunners they're learning all the aspects of making yeah they really they
1: really enjoyed it and they're you know they're supposed to be mini producers and they are and they have we have very varying as i'm sure everybody does we have very varying levels of of um, experience in our episode but you know one of the things about writing that's maybe interesting for your audience is like it really, it sometimes has to do with how much experience you have as a storyteller, but so much of it is is both intuitive and magical and ephemeral. And the, the great idea sometimes comes from the writer's PA or, you know, camera A, or, you know, somebody says something to you and you're like, oh, my God, of course. And if we all could do it by a system and if the seniority thing really worked, it would be a much more, it would be the military and it would be much more orderly. But in fact... You know, you can be sitting in a room of people who have, you know, won multiple Emmys and people who just decided to be a writer last year, and the idea and a good idea is a is a good idea, and you never know where it's going to come from. So I know that people have told me they've been in rooms where there's a hierarchy of who's supposed to talk the most, and that staff writers are not supposed to talk. But I don't I don't do that at all. I'm just constantly trying to get people to talk as much as possible.
0: That's great. Uh, and I want to hear about sort of the makeup of the room, uh, but we'll, sure. we'll come back around on that. Uh, Rob,
3: what did you do today? It's such a weird day to be asked that question. Uh, <laughs> I started my day costuming a stripper. Not in person. Uh, Was this for the uh, show? No, this is just one of... <laughs> oh, oh, we're talking about the show. No, no, no. Uh, uh, one of the things you do, uh, I, I assume you guys all deal with this, uh, is is... You get wardrobe selections. Uh, our show's in New York. Craig, your show's in New York. It sounds like you guys are both here, so maybe you do these things in person. But uh, we'll get, uh, you know, for any any role on the show, we'll get 25 to 30 options on smugmug.com and, and sort of, uh, you know, so it sounds exciting, but it wasn't. Um, so after after probably, you know, a 20-email chain about what, what our stripper would or would not wear... Um, i jumped back into a b story that i've just been flogging for days uh uh, a couple of elementary folks are here so they they know uh they know my pain um (laughs) this is on your own or in the room you know i uh i tend to do a fair amount of work on my own i like uh yeah we talked uh we talked uh previously just a little bit um it's not. It's, I, I don't think it's terrifically unique. I think there are more shows that do this than, than there have been historically. Mm-hmm. Um, we do a lot of independent study, which means a writer goes off, really throws himself into a premise or, or herself, uh, comes back to talk to me and maybe one or, one or two other upper-level writers, and once we can all kind of see the shape of it, uh, that's about as big a group as, as I like to gather. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just me. Like, I, I, you know, the, if, it's, if, it's a, if it's too big a room and, and there are too many voices going on at, at one time, I kind of lose my focus. So uh, I like to think, think on things for my own a little bit and then gather a room and have a more directed conversation. Mm-hmm. I
1: think sense. that's partly a, a genre thing. Comedies are generally, you know, yeah, that's built true. In, a, in, a, in a group of, of babbling
0: people <laughs> oh we babble but uh, just in smaller groups but and that's also i mean i'm sure you discovered this early on that this is part of the job of the showrunner right is find the system that works best for you sure i mean that's the most important thing because you're the one who has to keep the wheels on
1: well if you're rewriting people it's just sort of a question of do you do it in private or you do it in front of them and which is more painful <laughs> and I, I you for them. so for So for everybody, and so I, I think, I know there's a lot of, and there's probably more, I would say, right, showrunners who take whatever's given to them and go off into their room and bring it back. For us, I wanted people to learn the show. I want people to learn how to write the show. Mm-hmm. So they sit and, and I project my, I don't know how you guys do this, but I project my screen onto the wall. Not the wall. <laughs> the TV. And then I write and they see what I'm doing in their script, you know, and if it's delete, delete, delete so be it you know um, and what's nice about writing in a room particularly for a comedy is then you, you stumble across a joke and you see oh, or a moment or something and everybody loves it um, so for me, it's I get the feedback of, of all these people responding as we're writing, and I enjoy that. But I, I know that's not for everybody, and a lot of people can't think when that's happening.
2: I, I, for comedy, like, it's it's just it's the idea. It's almost like you have like whatever. If there's eight writers, you have it's like you have eight voices in your head. Mm-hmm. And you can, if you can listen to them all and just it's like yeah, you just you just hear the funniest the things. That's funny exactly. To so it's just like instead of it, you're one brain, you have eight brains. That's and exactly if you right. Can kind of just, Accept it all as input and not judge it, but just just listen for the thing that you like yes. and ignore the rest. It really and
1: you is. learn really quickly and kind of like right. saying yes or saying no is a complete waste of time. Right, you don't have to respond. That's yeah. and you and don't. You just do right. it or you don't. And people and just
2: pitch and pitch and pitch, and when yes. you hear something you like, you're like, great, yes. and that goes in. Right.
1: And people understand so, right. that you're not going to explain. If you stop and explain why something doesn't work every time, right. you'll be you dead. Don't. But it's exactly what it's like. You're multiple personality, right. and it's all these people, and that you're as you're writing instead of working things out alone, people are are. You know, calling out—it's
0: the same kind of voices you hear when you are. Yeah, doing and
1: you problem. and you're culling, yep. so you learn yeah. how to cull. Yep. But it's a different process for dramas, I'm sure, because it's you're you're building different kinds well, of. Well, imagine,
0: and Rob, you can speak to this. But there's something to you know when your writer is ready to break down a story for you. It's a similar sort of process of you going, "I like this. This doesn't work. How do we fix this? How do we you know put these two pieces together?" The, the culling, as yeah.
3: uh, somebody said. Uh, yeah yeah it helps it, it once once the writer can really see it you know kind of knows the nooks and crannies and is prepared for you know for any weird question I might throw at them it it really helps me get a handle on it and start to see what they're seeing and and you know t- take it to the to, to you know either take it to the room or take it to outline or you know get into the script um, so it's uh, I think in the very beginning uh, when when the show started up, I wanted to have a more room based show. And things things pile up so quickly that. Uh, so, what
1: that, do people do when they're not writing
3: off on script? When they are not writing off on script, uh, they're coming up with their next premise. Uh, well, we are. How many episodes do you have? We do twenty four, and while we oh. have, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you'll, you'll get there. <laughs> uh, we're. I, I think I would say like we're probably a less serialized show than 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 you guys have. So we have serialized elements that we oh, will I tend see. to. I see, I see. So it's, it, it's right, easier right. for one of our writers to break off I and see. look for a mystery. A new idea or, for a mystery. Yeah. And once we have a sense of the case, we can start to build the, serial, the serialized elements right, around right. that right. to sort of find, you know, to right. find the spots.
0: Um, I want to talk to all of you guys. And, and Craig, I want to start with you. We talked a little bit about tone uh, with David, but I want to talk about tone on Limitless specifically. Mm. Um, and it's something we touched on in the past when, you know, we aired the, you showed the pilot okay. at Comic-Con and you said it's an action show, it's a procedural, but it's really funny. Seeing subsequent episodes, it's really funny. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Turns out that's easier
4: to do than the action, yeah. (laughs) Was
0: was this in your brain? Was this part of the pitch, A? Was this in your mind as the way the show would go? And then how did you start to train the writers to achieve this tone? Um,
4: I didn't realize how... how much a part of the show humor would become it like i mean as we get into like the fifth and the sixth and the seventh episodes mm-hmm. um but I, I mean I knew uh, something that I responded to in the movie, even though the movie is sort of mysterious and noirish um it's it 's also very mischievous you know the the uh, the, the camera work um, and so it, it had kind of like an impish quality to it anyway I knew, I knew I wanted that in the uh in the pilot um, and i Certainly, took the humor level of the movie and upped it in the pilot, and then in the second episode of the series, we just sort of—I um, don't know what happened. We just sort of <laughs> went. <laughs> it went from here to here. Um, you know, Mark Webb, who directed the pilot. Yeah,
1: do you, know, you know that we share
4: our—we yes, have the same pilot, common director, pilot director. Yes. Um, uh, Mark Webb, who directed the pilot, uh, came. I convinced him to direct the second episode after by offering to co-write the 102 with him. So he and I co-wrote 102, and I I think we we share. uh, You know, he comes from the world of music videos, um, and and there was just a lot of um, riffing back and forth about like what we wanted to do visually, and it it just wound up being very. A lot of it just wound up being very comedic, Um, and and you know it. Works like that episode tested higher than our pilot tested. Um, yeah, that's yeah.
0: something I was kind of curious about because that, that was potentially a surprise to the network, who is kind of the first place you have to show it after the studio. Yeah. Soon loves everything you do. Um, <laughs> do you ever Thanks sure? for assuming that. Yeah. <laughs> um, was it a surprise to them? Well, and was there any pushback? Like, were they expecting more action oriented show?
4: I don't think so I mean I think they knew I think I mean you know for the pilot we shut down Broadway between 14th and yeah. 17th uh, and and you know we shot in the Union Square subway station we did just any number of things that it's, you're just not going to be able yeah. to achieve on a, an eight business. day show yeah. which is a show that shoots in eight business days, <laughs> yeah. um, nine, days. <laughs> nine business days um, so they, I think that they knew there was had to be some kind of re-strategizing um, and, and um, we had a Really hard time with the story area for 102 because the story area is a two-page document, and it's very hard to communicate tone in a two-page document. So they kept sending them back me. No, it doesn't feel it doesn't feel right. Doesn't feel right. Um, And finally, we got something. And then I went away to Pittsburgh for a family reunion, and just sort of like I wrote this hugely detailed outline. I mean, it had a. I don't if if you saw the episode, you know those sort of map sequences when the, the the bubble. It had a. It had a. A family circus illustration, like in the outline, to indicate what I wanted to do. Um, you know, so we, like, they were very clear. Like the outline had m- many visual aids, like that. Um, so they were, it was a very clear document. So I think, and, and they read it, and they were very enthusiastic about it. So I think by the time they—they were—you know—they were looking at a script, they—they they knew, they knew what they were in for.
0: That makes sense. And then the other part of that is, you know, you put together this writers' room, and presumably they had seen the pilot or at least read the pilot. Uh, I would
4: hope, story. yeah, that they would all read <laughs> and oh, saw yeah, pilot, like, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, how did you communicate to them, like how malleable this show is? Were there, you know, did you open it to pitches? Did you have stuff in mind when the when the room started? Um,
4: I, yes, of course. I, heard, I wanted to hear the writers' ideas for pitches. Um, you know, it, it was um, it's been a. It took some doing, you know? I mean, be, just because, like, I really, I think mostly because I had not yet articulated it as a set, as a set of principles that I could say, like, oh, you know, here's, here's what we want to do. It was sort of still forming in my own head. Um, I think in communicating with the writers over the course of the first few episodes, a lot about the show became clear, like how much of it is filtered through Brian's point of view, Brian, the main character's point of view, uh, and, and how much leeway that gives you to... Uh, to occasionally render an otherwise banal scene in a fantastic kind of way, you know, um, um, and so the, it is a set of sort of um, guidelines and, and rules that um, I, I guess were swirling in my head, but but that I wasn't that I wasn't aware of until I started interacting with the other writers on the first few episodes, um, and uh, we've sort of gotten to a place now where what's most productive is. Um, And what's most productive for us? Just keep in mind we're full-tronic scripts, so (laughs) maybe not, maybe not for everybody. But um, it is. I I think for us, the outline stage is really, really important, and I like to write a very detailed outline. And I have have really, for the past several. just sat with the writer, and you know with a, with a sort of detailed structure, like we know what the structure is going to be, but' been like, yeah here 's how this could be like, this, this looks like a procedural beat, and here 's how it could be something weird or funny or cool um, and and, and it 's a real pleasure to see like people everybody is it, it 's it's, it's, it's joy to see like people catching on and getting the tone of the show and not now coming back to me with things where i 'm like, oh yeah, that 's amazing it's <laughs> that's hilarious yeah that 's really cool yeah. um,
0: and it 's interesting to me that you know. It's a conscious choice to set this show apart and to make these seem, like you say, what could be sort of a banal procedural scene. Something a little
4: more exciting, something a little more interesting. I think it's working. Thank you, thank you. I've been writing... It it might come just from how long I've been writing procedurals, you know? Um, like, I know the trope well enough to, 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 to mess with it, effectively, hopefully, yeah.
0: Um, Aline, I want, to, I want to move over to you and talk about tone as well, and sort of the creation of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend.
1: Um, yeah, I'm just realizing can... that what these guys do is as different from what I do as, like, you know, I, they could be professional tennis players, and I'm, I'm a, you know, I'm a modern dancer. Like, I procedural stuff, I just... Faint, dead away on the ground. I, I, I wouldn't. I couldn't write a spec episode of Elementary for all the money in the, on the in the world. Um, would you? What? <laughs> I'll take all okay. the money in the world. And, and
0: yeah, what, what would it look like? Well, our, show is, you know, our show is. You know, our show is.
1: I. I would say the genre of our show, since you said we could curse is um, okay. our, gen- our genre is bad shit. Oh, yes. Yeah. Okay. You know, um, it is bad shit. Our, 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 we don't really hue to any particular genre. I mean, the funny thing I will say about our process is that we, because we were a Showtime show for the first year of our development, yeah, Rachel and I had been working on the show in some form for two years before we went into production. So the first thing, is, and we didn't know we had a show until a week before we did. It was like an <laughs> insane fire drill where it was like a maybe, and then it was like, oh, yes, and you're on the fall schedule. <laughs> so what happened was we um, start our writer's room with our two senior people, Michael Hitchcock and Aaron Ehrlich, who had come from Glee and Awkward, respectively. But because Rachel and I had been working on the show for two weeks, it was like two years, it was like you entered a room with twins who'd been locked in a basement for two years, and we could only speak in twin-speak. And so we were saying, you know, this and that, and we had such elaborate backstories for every character we had. Oh, we always say it was like folk art. Like uh, we were ready to show up to Showtime with like you know our little dioramas of dolls that we had made and little <laughs> sheets for the beds, and because we had so much detail. So the first two weeks of working with Aaron and Michael was this just them trying to decode the Nell-like language that we had developed <laughs> in our relationship. And so, but then when the other writers joined us, they were able to say, okay, in the beginning you won't understand anything they're saying. I mean, our show is very it's a, it's a blend of comedy it has some elements of sketch comedy it has rom-com for sure it has drama elements it's it's a comedy about somebody who's unstable it has an unreliable lead um it's really all over the place I mean one of the things that I I don't know if people know is that we couldn't find a home for it after Showtime didn't want it um and we never thought of broadcast because it was it, it had a lot of language and sexual content but I had become obsessed with Jane the Virgin and so it was only because of that that I said to someone, "Maybe we should try them, because I felt like Jane the Virgin was like our show, a genre busting idea with a kind of a high concept premise, um, a you know an eccentric lead who you know uh had a very unique journey, and then was you know, we're playing with a musical and the rom-com, and they're playing with telenovela and melodrama and stuff like that. But it was very formally kind of interesting and fizzy and weird. Um, so the existence of that show is the only reason that we exist. That's really cool. Yeah, so um, I emailed Jenny, right? I mean, I got to know Jenny because I called her right away when the CW was considering us. Yeah. Um, but our, our process is, but, you know, one of the tough things about being a show owner is that things are so clear in your mind in a funny way that when people come over to talk to you about stuff, you, you know, as Craig said, you may not have an articulated idea of it in your mind, but it's so clear to you that that's a yes or that's a no. Um, isn't it? Or is that... Yes. Yeah, yeah, people come over to you and say this, and you're thinking that's totally in the tone of our show or that's not at all in the tone of our show. And you have this kind of scrim set up in your mind. And it was we have we have sometimes... Um, had debates in the room about stuff where I know that Rachel will agree with me because we've been working together for such a long period of time Mm -hmm. and it's on something that seems really odd to other people Um, and it's just because you develop your own style of storytelling and and our show by necessity is is something unusual so I would love I I I, am sure that when you're sitting on the procedural side there's things that sound really appealing about the kind of formlessness of shaping your own thing (laughs) but I kind of you know yearn for the uh, format you know seems like a lovely thing and what you do I think is you develop your own format like I think Jane the Virgin is formally interesting as it is Having watched every episode of it, I could probably give you some kind of shape, a form of like the kinds of storytelling you guys do do and don't. But it was it was developed by you. you yeah,
2: know? definitely. I mean, every every show I've ever worked on, like you just develop rules. I mean, it just happens. You're like, oh, okay. With Jane, it's like, well. Jane needs two A stories every week. She needs an emotional story that carries through, and then she also needs a story that's more comedic, and they have to blend, and they have to comment on each other. And then, you know, it's just like... And we need a crime element every week, and we need, you know, we need a... For Helio, a more... absurd. So, you know, it's just like you just... It becomes this souffle, and you're just like, oh, these are all the ingredients that make the show, and, like, you can feel the absence if, if something's miss, missing, if, it's, if it leans too heavily toward the comedy or toward the, the melodrama. or toward, It's just all the elements blend together, and uh, and, you know, Jenny... You know, I, I felt right from the pilot. Had a, you know, you can watch the pilot, and you can just see her. Her vision is just crystal clear. And I actually was around. We were Jane and I were doing another pilot together at the same time she was doing Jane. And so I, I, I saw her process, and I saw her kind of discover uh, the tone of the show in the editing room. Like she, she mm. shot, she mm-hmm. shot a show, and it wasn't quite. Mm. She didn't quite have the tone. Yeah. And then she, the, all the, the type-ons, all that stuff on screen, uh, she came to in the editing process in the editing room. And that's where she really kind of found like the way to, to, to help the audience watch the show and embrace the show and not not be kind of turned off or confused. And uh, and it became just the language of the show, and, and we've, now we have, you know, all these rules that we follow and all these things we know we have to get so done. So your
1: post-process post is very important.
2: Oh, my God, Jenny yeah. lives yeah. in the editing room. Yeah, for, the editing room is right across uh, the hall from the writer's room, and, um, yeah, she basically is in there all day, every day, morning, noon, and night. And, uh, and so, you know, she, we go pitch... You know, I'll I'll run the room and I'll go and I'll pitch her stuff, some stuff she likes. You know, it's like again, it's very clear to her. Yes, no, yes, no, yes, no, which is great. That's all you want. Like you just want clarity of vision and she has that. And so you just you know, and so we just winnow it down and eventually we have, you know, six storylines for an episode and and they've all she's signed off on all of them and then we can mm-hmm. proceed. But uh um yeah, the the process is uh yeah, it's it just it develops its own. It's like the they show you develop. Well, your also
1: own there's language. there's what's interesting about it is I'm sure anybody here you could spend all day on set, you could spend all day in the writers room, you could stay all spend all day in post. I could spend all day on any yeah. one of those things. So you're constantly trying to decide
4: where, where do I really and feel like I should. Should yeah.
2: right? Yeah. So
1: you always yeah. feel like you're you're behind the ball on yeah. something. And it's Where uh, you
2: can be most effective, you know, where you can have the greatest influence, you know, and and. Uh, yeah,
0: and I would, I would imagine this is a thing, you know. Again, in a fir- first year show, this is what you start to figure out: is where am I needed, where am I, you know, best used, all of that stuff. Um, which is why I want to talk to Rob and David a little bit about shows beyond their first year, and you've sort of got your systems down, uh, but then you know it's easy to fall into the trap of doing the same thing over and over again creatively. Uh, how do you keep it fun? How do you keep it interesting? You know, you guys the second season of Jane already is terrific and, and really fun and all of the things that Aline said about it. Uh, and, Rob, what do you want, four or five? A season? Yeah. Four. four. Yeah, yeah, four seasons. And it's like you're finding new stuff every week for these characters to do and for ways for them to interact. How do you keep
3: it going in that way? I mean, again, because the show is, if I were to boil it down, it's a procedural, and so we have an obligation to do certain things again and again. Um uh, obviously never want to tell the same story twice or craft the same mystery twice um, but you know for me um, bringing everything back to Sherlock and Joan uh, uh, keeps me energized. Uh, I enjoy the characters so much, I enjoy Johnny and Lucy so much. Um, we can always find flavor and uh, and fun in in returning to the partnership, and that you know it's it's such a strange relationship. It's familial and it's you know it's professional. Um, so you know so week to week, we we spend a lot of episodes just trying to figure out you know what is. What's the, we, we know the procedural side of this particular episode. What is the, what's the domestic side? What's going on in their lives? What is one going to help the other with? Is there stuff, uh, and again, like we now have
0: three seasons and, and you know stories coming up uh, to look at, but is there stuff that was particularly challenging uh, relationship-wise that you didn't think
3: it would, you could pull it off? Um, you know, it's funny. I mean, there was when the show started, there was so much... Uh, <laughs> um. There was there was a lot of uh, noise about uh, how inevitable it would be that uh, that the two of them would, would eventually tumble into a romantic relationship, uh, and for me it was it was great because I knew we would never do it. <laughs> so <laughs> if that's what people were upset about and sort of you know uh, you know huffing and puffing about, it it relieved actually it actually relieved a ton of pressure for me. Um, but I'm sorry, you're, you were asking. That, uh, I mean,
0: when if you take that off the table. It means you have to really start, you know, going into other corners, which maybe you didn't expect. Like, what did you discover about the relationship, or about the way the relationship informs
3: the the a side of the story, um, or vice versa? You know, we, we uh, I mean, Craig may have this to a to a to a lesser extent. I mean, we always have the canon to go back to. We always have the you know the spirit of the original stories. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's, never a, it's never a one-to-one type of thing. Uh, you know, we rarely lift anything from canon that we could. But, but if you really read Conan Doyle's uh, stuff, if you really have a handle on it, um, you can see what, what can and cannot be applied to a, you know, to a, a, a modernized Sherlock Holmes on <laughs> CBS. Um, you know, aside from that... Um, it's really just stirring up trouble in their lives, which I'm sure we're all doing for all of our characters. Yeah, well, that, know, that's um, the job, right? It's yeah, like, yeah, how do
0: I make trouble for these fictional people. Yeah,
3: and they, you know, they, 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 they arrived with a ton of baggage, mm-hmm. um, and we're sort of picking through their bags uh, yeah. as slowly as we can. That's so. cool. Uh, do you think that
0: when uh, Conan Doyle was publishing those Sherlock Holmes stories that the readers were like, I bet they're going to get
3: together. (laughs) 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 Somebody Somebody somewhere was, yes, uh, was... (laughs) Um, David, what were
0: the conversations like about season two of Jane once you guys knew that you were getting a
2: season two? Um, It was good. I mean, uh, the thing about Jane is because at the end of the season, she gives birth to her child and I and mean, the kidnapping, obviously. But, uh, um. Uh,
0: incidentally, I meant to ask about that because I talked to Jenny right before the finale. Yeah.
2: Seen
0: it. At what point did the kidnapping become part of the conversation?
2: Early on, I mean, we really spent a lot of time at the beginning of the season, you know. To, although, I guess, I, I, once we knew we were getting a back nine, we, we immediately set about figuring out where we were going to end the season. We really, we, I, mean, I feel like it's important on a, a serialized show to really know where you're ending up. But I feel yeah. like you sometimes you can watch a show and you can feel like, yeah, well, this is really good, but.
1: They don't know where they're going. going. They have no idea.
2: They just don't. You feel it, and it it, it, it takes you out of it. And so I think uh, one thing uh, that Jen insisted on, which really uh, has has been great for us, is at the beginning of the season, We we, 22 episodes up on the board, columns, and every character we know in episode 22 where they're going to be. Um, and we have, you know, we have it all. out the season, and things move, shift, but ultimately, we know where we're, we're heading, which, which gives you great confidence in terms of telling stories throughout the season, because you really, you know, you're laying the groundwork for something that, that you're definitely going you to get. to. You wind up exactly there for no, each character. No, you It must evolve. It yeah. evolves, but but I will I will say you the, the big, the major big moves, and the major things are 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 where, you know, still where you know mm-hmm. they may shift. You know, happen episode nine instead of episode thirteen, but but those things are all happening, which is really. Which is really good. What's the question? I
0: don't know. <laughs> uh, oh, building, oh, building oh, season, two. season two.
1: Yes, yes,
2: yes. So, um, so uh, the first thing was okay. We kidnapped this baby, but obviously we're a comedy, so we spent a, a several days discussing this and realized like, oh, we this baby has to come back fast because it's, it's, it's going to be laugh.
1: hilarious. It's not going to be
2: hilarious, and we don't, we don't want the audience. To, and it's like it's a baby. We don't want to worry about it. So we we agreed like the baby would be back in the first act, and then you could <coughs> move on to the show. And then I mean because she's having a baby everything basically she went through with pregnancy you now now you have a child so the season kind of tells itself at least for her emotional story in terms of just being a new mom and all those things and we have um a lot of moms on the show you know I mean our show is, is uh, our writing staff is largely largely female um
0: how many writers on your staff?
2: like uh I want to say ten and three three guys seven women maybe <laughs> eight, something like that um a uh, uh, lot of lot of talk about nipple confusion and <laughs> breastfeeding and. No,
1: I, I, we have the same. T- I, sometimes I feel bad for ooh, the guys on holy the show, cow, especially I, if somebody's out on set and sometimes it's six women and one guy, I, and he's just like, I got nothing. I got. I, love, really, I, get, I, I get, can't.
2: Yeah. I can't get a football conversation going to save my <laughs> yeah. life. I'm just. It's uh, yeah. It's just whew. And then they are yeah. So there's so a lot of sharing. A lot of sharing, and I'm just. I kind of. <laughs> Let me know when you guys are ready to talk about something else. Um, so yeah, uh, and I so I you know and, you, yeah. and
0: you're a Gilmore
2: Girls guy. I'm, that's yeah. the thing. I, I know. Believe me, I, uh, I I I love writing for women. I'm I'm I. I fit in nicely, but there's just a certain level of understanding of what it's like to trying to get a baby to breast suck babe. milk out of your breast. Yeah. I just do not. Can't really speak to. Our I, was tell- so, I
1: was emailing with Jenny because you guys had lactation in your episode and we had ass blood in ours. So I felt like we had really like upped, upped the game for effluvia on the CW.
2: Yeah. You guys win. Um, but uh, but so that, that really... And, you know, again, with these characters, you're, you're just... Uh, honestly, they're, they're, You know, you're telling their stories, and and they kind of lead you. You know, it's like with Jenny, it's like she's 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 having this relationship with her dad. She has this relationship with her mom and her grandma and her baby, and it's just like it's. Uh, there, there's certain things that are just going to happen as the baby gets older, and other things. It's just you talk about what you know. The good thing about it, Jenny gets bored very easily. So if you know anything that we've touched on or done or seen before, she just it's just we're not going back. We're only moving forwards, and she just wants. To be fast and and just you know if a scene doesn't have a strong turn it's it's not a scene like there's just no no ifs ands or buts about it and it, and for every story it's just it's got it's got to really vault the characters forward in a very you know a very strong way and uh, yeah so that's I mean that's and it's
0: almost relentless the pace of the it, show. yes it is uh, which makes it so easy to watch I feel like
2: I, I... yeah actually I I find it takes a little more focus than, mm-hmm. than most shows to yeah, watch get off
0: your um, phone and watch it
2: right you really it's like um, you've got to read and listen <laughs> yeah, and watch um, but, uh, but yeah it's a very it's a very it's a frantic show and I think that's a Jenny is a you know a Delightfully energetic, woman, energetic, energetic. Woman. energetic. It, honestly, it, it's like it's. Uh, uh, her
1: mind is works exactly. Very quickly. We've been yeah. friends.
2: We've been good friends for a long time. So I, it's knowing her so well and knowing the way her mind works. The show is not a surprise to me. And I'm like, yeah. oh yeah, that's that's <laughs> the show. That's the show Jenny would create. That, that makes sense.
0: <laughs> Uh, you guys are also serving, I was marveling at how many characters you were serving in this uh, season two premiere. Right. Yeah. You guys have piled up
2: characters. We really have. It's really they nice. stick around. Yeah. We, well, we, you know, we've gotten great, great actors. Um, we have seven regulars, but we have a, you know, hmm. an, a, 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 yeah. a lot of other, you know, uh, guest stars that the recurring characters, just wonderful, wonderful actors. And yeah, it's, it's just, we're excited to write for them all. Um, we're excited to, you know, complicate all their relationships and uh, and we do you know we do six or seven storylines a week, you know? I mean you know we have mm, so, so, so that did, that leads to a lot of <laughs> big cast of thousands, yeah. Uh, cast of thousands. Uh, I wanna
0: jump over to Aline for a minute and mm-hmm. then we'll take questions from you guys. But, and I rarely do this, but uh, having just watched the pilot yeah. to Crazy ex girlfriend I want to ask you about a couple of scenes. Okay. Uh, which knocked me out. Um, the first was West Covina,
1: mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> And this becoming... Uh, can you just talk about the song? The impetus for that, yeah, and the song and yeah, I mean, it was so ridiculous, but so perfect. Well,
1: we wanted her to to move to a place. So she's living in New York and she's very unhappy and she decides to move to california and uh, because she's run into her old boyfriend, and he lives in West Covina. And the idea was it could have been Tinack or Hackensack or you know, any other kind of suburb, but it was a California suburb. And for her, it was very enticing because it's California and it's sunny. and it's her fantasy of what that place is Um, and what's really interesting is we, one of the first things Rachel and I ever did together was go to West Covina after we chose it and we got to the mall and there was a pretzel stand and Rachel brought a pretzel and we were eating it and then we walked across the mall and at the other end of the mall was a pretzel stand. Um, and then across, so there's a Wetzel's pretzels on one end and there's a Wetzel's pretzels on the other end and there's an Auntie Annie's right there. So, you're, there's a lot of pretzels to be had. Um, and, um, so the specificity of that place was really fun to us including the fact that you know like a lot of American suburbs it has it's dominated by um, big box chains and malls and stuff and so we had dinner there at BJ's which I'd never heard of but I'm sure everybody knows and they have a Pazookie and that's super weird uh-huh. um, but, or pazuki maybe and then um, so we were wanted to do like a pay in to a place that really you wouldn't think Hackensack is a good you know uh, new Rochelle new Rochelle <laughs> that's a place where... so it's, it's sort of like that inspired by those types of songs but the other interesting thing about West Covina like many suburbs is it's incredibly racially diverse it's a huge hispanic population asian population so we were really reflected that in the song and if you look there's yeah. 75 100 dancers at the end of that number and they are um they are racially mixed in the same way that the city is and i think it's something that people don't think of when they think of suburbs mm-hmm. but it's something that we really dig into in the show i
0: thought that was really great um the other thing and i just want to talk briefly about this um is the scene in the sports bar yeah when uh, Rachel meets the Santana, guy. Yeah. Uh, has this great patter I mean it's like a, it's like in an, an old movie. It's, well, like, it's Girl Friday.
1: Brings you back around to Mark Webb. Who had not really written anything until he wrote with you, right? He hasn't written a lot of stuff.
4: He's, he's in the guild, but had, I, yeah, I don't know why. So, yeah. Well, so, right. yeah. so
1: the part of, of, of Greg in the show is a somewhat self-hating, perpetually single guy who's attracted, yeah, yeah, significant laugh from over here, who's attracted to women who don't really like him. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we had that script had been in, the, in that scene had been in the script for a long time, and we were in my house. Rachel and I were in my house working on it, and Mark was renting a house two blocks over. And I said, why don't you come by? And he was hanging out. We were going through the scene. And Rachel improvised. Mike, M- Mark's actually quite a funny actor, although he doesn't do it. Rachel and Mark improvised a lot of that scene. So some of the angry, self-hating stuff, like the thing of you're pretty and you're smart and you're not, um, and you're not interested in me, so <laughs> I find you attractive. That, that comes from Mark. But then we then set out to try and find Greg and to find, uh, I'm sure you guys also know this, to find a romantic lead, handsome man, who's also funny, is deadly. It's <laughs> it's, it's really deadly. And I think um, good-looking people, just that part of them atrophies. I don't know. But uh, so we... We took all took all right Right, the- Jaime, yeah. The first line of that scene is... Um, I think the, the wine... Are you lost? The wine bar is over on Foothill. So I've heard literally hundreds and hundreds of people say the wine bar is over on Foothill. Hundreds. And we... Rachel called me at one point and said, if I have to hear that line one more time, I'm going to shoot myself in the... Oh, well, that's not a swear word. Vagina. Um, so um, we had watched a lot of things. And then all of a sudden, somebody calls me, and it, Rachel and Mark call me and say, you have to watch this audition... There's a guy who's auditioned for Greg and he's amazing. He's amazing. He's Hans in Frozen. He's Hans in Frozen. So I go to cast it and I'm looking down the thing for someone named Hans or Hansen or something like that only to... Then I call them like, I don't know what you're talking about. Santino Fontana was the voice of Hans in Frozen. Um, and so that's how that got communicated to me. And from the second that we saw him, he did one take where he kind of did the lines and then he did a riffy take. And even though he's a Broadway actor who really hasn't ever formally studied improv, his improvs were hilarious. So part that scene is built on our writing, Mark's improvs based on his (laughs) dating history, and Santino's wit, which um, he's responsible for the line where it's like, I'm going to a party at Bean's house. Um, he's Mexican. That sounds racist. He makes us call us that. His actual name's Bernard. It's a long story. Um, that all comes from Santino. Yeah. And
0: this is, this is the stuff you find, right? This is the chemistry oh, yeah. you hope for in a show. Oh, yeah. It's kind of collaboration.
1: We, they, I would say the actors have way exceeded our expectations in every sense. Let me ask you one more thing. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Uh, At the end of the pilot, there is the scene where the woman who could have been her rival in the show, Uh very quickly that scene turns and Mm -hmm. she becomes an ally. Yeah, and it's really interesting, and I was totally not expecting it. Was there discussion about that moment or about keeping her a rival as
1: a frenemy? Um, you know, it's funny, no, because to us, the love story between Paula and Rebecca is, is, is maybe the main love story. And that episode is as much about two women who meet and are opposing forces and then come together and fall in love and sing together as it is about anything else. Um, you know, there, it's a woman in her 40s and a woman in her 20s. Uh, I don't know how we can relate to that, Rachel and I, but somehow we do. Um, There's a lot of things about Paula that come, you know, right from me and from our relationship um, and our sort of closeness. And one of the things that's constantly amusing is that I have no problem talking about dating and talking about people's dating's life on the show and giving people's advice about dating. I haven't been on a date since 1996. (laughs) Um, But that does not stop me. And it doesn't stop me from having a partner who is 20 years younger than me. Um, but like me, Paula doesn't really see. I have age dysmorphia. I just, when I meet someone who's twenty-eight, I think like, oh, we're like roughly the same age. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so <laughs> that's very much reflected in the show that Paula is, who's been married for seventeen years, uh, feels no compunctions about you know investigating her love life, telling her what to do, and that and that really that pilot for me is about those two women falling in love.
0: Uh, who has a <laughs> question? There, is- thank you.
3: Um, so, yeah, it down. It's really great um, so, the LA shows talked
0: about the convenience of like Rachel down the hall or editing across the hall. Do the shows that shoot in New York feel like there's some disadvantages about New York? Do you, all things considered, would you prefer to be writing where all of it's happening? Do, the, do you consider that and how your process continues? And of course, you, you work on elementary and then chose to settle in New York, so clearly you, you were happy with some degree it, but I'm that. I got a surprise,
4: though, um, which is that, well, I should say, when I came to elementary, I was coming off of a show that shot in New Orleans and was trying to double for Los Angeles. And it was just, the the location photos every week were just this. It's a bayou. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it, It was... It, it just made you want to cry, mm-hmm. um, and so it's the
1: Bayou in Sherman Oaks. Yes, yeah. yeah.
4: Um, and so I, I, I came on to elementary, and uh, you know I would type Tribeca Loft into a script, and they would show me an actual. I, I, they would, I would be looking at Tribeca Loft. It was it was amazing, um, uh, and and that show has a great crew, um, and I felt I didn't realize that I was very spoiled by that, but I was very spoiled by that. In in the interim, because of the New York tax incentives. Mm. Um, Production has exploded uh, in the city, and so there's 46 shows shooting wow. in New York right now. Yeah, and so
0: what you find is that um, <laughs> they've all been them.
1: shot out. Do you feel like you get somewhere yeah. and they've does, all been shot?
0: Does Person of Interest have all of the uh, mm-hmm. corners? <laughs> well, they're not now. Uh, yeah, or they're at least they're they're shut down for the right. for the moment. Is Quantico but,
1: um, up in your grill?
4: <laughs> everybody's up in everybody's grill, you know. It's, but it's it has. I would say like key crew members are, are the really difficult thing. Oh. Um, it, it's very hard to find. Uh, if you, if you have any experience, you have your pick of jobs, you know? So um, That's cool. that was something that I wasn't ready for. And, and, and we have a lot of, like... So we have in key departments a lot of people who it's their first time in that job. Um, and so we've been through, like, a a, a a real learning curve over the first few episodes. Um, it was the complete opposite of uh, my experience on, on elementary. So, Yes,
3: yeah, so, I mean, I, I would say as far as elementary goes... Um, it's not the worst thing in the world to be on the other side of the country. Uh, sometimes, you know, depending on the day. Uh, uh, but 20 years ago, I don't—I I, I don't know how I could have—not that this was in the cards for me 20 years ago—but I don't know how I could have produced a show on the other side of the country. But I mean, with everything you can do online, it's—it's—it's um, it's, it's remarkable. I mean, I. I I get auditions. I get uh, wardrobe picks, as I was describing earlier. Um, you know, entire cuts, special effects. Uh, it's 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 pretty amazing and between what we can do with the technology uh, you know we're also really blessed to have uh, you know a strong and supportive crew um, you know that that took a little trial and error in the very beginning um, you know but, sure. uh, but once you really land on the people that you, you like and trust and, and have a strong sense of the you know the, the vision for the show um they they make our lives so much easier, and they let us. You know, it, ultimately that allows us to to live here and work here the way we do. So, yeah. uh, other
0: questions? Yes,
3: stand up. Um, Carlene, um, what has been the, the greatest challenge for you going from a solo medium to collaborative medium? Like, what what have you? I know you say you enjoy it, but yeah, what...
1: um, it's the uh, the amount of time it's just the time commitment is just enormous I mean one of the reasons I, I used to work in tv and I switched to features partly because I was having kids and the feature schedule is just very even if you're working long hours you can just do it when you need to do it if you want to work I have a lot of feature friends who write from midnight to five in the morning and I would often write from when my kids went to bed until midnight or whatever um in tv I just I have to be physically I have to be somewhere so that's the biggest adjustment for me and, and it, like if I wake up in the morning and feel like, oh, I want to blow this off and get a manicure and go to the bookstore. It's not <laughs> not not in the cards
4: for me. It's crap yeah. Yes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, so the schedule has been, you know, the um, but I you know it was always a struggle for me. One of the reasons I did T V young when I was younger was I just it's always been a struggle for me to be alone. I really hate it. I really have did not that was the thing I least and liked about being a screenwriter. So and I don't find it Stressful. I talked to I have a ton of friends who run shows, and I had talked to all of them before I started. And um, while I do find it it's very exhausting in, in, in certain ways, I don't find it stressful, because what I find stressful is having to live with the ramifications of other people's decisions, which often happens as a screenwriter. And that, luckily, I, you, know, if, we're, if a mistake is made, then I'm accountable, and I find that way less. Stressful. I mean, one thing that is kind of interesting is, like, unlike these guys who all, you know, these guys know each other and and David knew Jenny and stuff like, I hadn't worked in TV for 20 years, so I didn't really know a lot of all the TV people that I knew have come up with me and are my age, and a lot of them are experienced feature people, so they were all showrunner level. I didn't know a lot of people between staff and showrunner level, so my staff, almost all of those people, um, were new to me. So, you know, unlike Jenny staffing her show and, and getting David, who she would worked with, or, you know, so I, I, I've had a lot of blind dates on my show.
0: <laughs> I'm curious to hear from Aline and from Craig about... Um, I'm sure you spoke to a lot of... Showrunners, as you say, before starting your show. And Craig, you've kind of been in the system for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you take from previous jobs that you applied to your job as showrunner? And Aline, what, what advice were you given? What sticks out that you have kind of seen that, that works?
1: Um, you know, everybody does things their, their own way. Uh, and, and for me, you know, everybody that I talked to had a different thing that they had gotten sort of hung up on doing Uh, here's the thing with the writers what happened was that people said to me you're not going to be able to predict who delivers for you Mm -hmm. Um, you're going to look at people's resume and you're going to meet them and you're never going to be able to figure out who becomes your key player and who delivers things that you can't use and so given that what I did was I just hired people I did two things I only hired people whose scripts I liked Because a lot of people said to me, don't worry about their scripts, it doesn't matter. But I felt like I couldn't interact with people unless my first conversation could be like, I love that script. So I only hired people whose script I like, and I only hired people that I would be excited to be locked in a coffin with. Um, And so we have like a very personable, fun room in fact i had released them because i had to go do some stuff and i was coming here and i said you guys can go whatever and i left uh, to do something and i came back and they were all still there um, hanging out so you know i took i took different different things from different people
4: uh, sometimes it feels like i learned nothing from any of the jobs <laughs> that i <I've> had uh, <laughs> um, but that said um, i mean i i set out i you, you you have to when you're setting out to run a show the balance I was most concerned with trying to strike was um, how to integrate my own process which is um, kind of like Rob's uh, can be I, I, like I, I can sit on a couch for two days um, and and be working. Um, uh, if you were you know observing me through a security camera, you'd be like, uh-huh. "He's stealing money from CBS Paramount," but um, <laughs> but I'm actually working. You know, um, uh, but but that's not a great way to orient uh, eight or nine new people to what you want to accomplish with a TV show. Um, so it it, it it for me it was about finding a process that accommodated my need to be off by myself uh for some portion of the time um with one that was also open enough that to like sort of invite the writers in um and and not feel like you know like they had an isolated
0: showrunner yeah that makes sense um and david this is something i'm always curious to ask uh people who have been in a couple of rooms and you've been in some great ones um what is good room behavior do you have some advice for mm. people who might be starting in question. writers' or, rooms?
2: I do. Um,
1: <laughs> that's a great question. Uh,
2: don't cut people off. Mm. Uh, I think uh, people get excited, and you just have to respect that you you're excited to share your idea, but the person speaking is also excited to share their idea. Wait till they finish, then speak. You know, it's like I feel like that's uh, um, don't. Uh, Peter That's no- all the time we have. Peter Noah, once, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Peter Noah uh, who's a great writer, and a, uh, he gave me my f- first job in show business. He said, uh, in, a, in a comedy room, he said, uh, anybody can tell you where the joke isn't. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> don't, you know, it's like you don't need, I, yeah. don't, I don't need, like... tell me what's not working you know that's that's not a solution that's not helpful like offer something tell me if you if you have a problem with something have a solution have an alternate pitch don't just don't just complain don't just say what's not working don't just Mm -hmm. ask a question and whine like be helpful you know and and uh the third thing i would say is you got to have a positive attitude uh if you know if it's late and you don't want to be there guess what Nobody in that room want, probably wants to be there, but we're there. So it's like you know, it would really help if you were super positive and excited, and enthusiastic, and raring and to go. And I'm not going to be, so I'd really like you to
3: be. There. <laughs>
2: I'm like, if I'm running the room, it's not my job. It's your job to you know help help me, help you. Like, uh, so I, I would say those those uh, those three things, well, and then you, what, and then be super talented. That's yeah, that really yeah. is, uh, you can put all that out the window if you're super talented. Then I don't care. You can do all those three things.
4: I think a, a positive attitude is uh, like. I've I've come to treasure it more and uh, more because your own energy ebbs and right. flows, you know, and so you feed off of... Uh, <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, you right. feel like they don't, even,
2: they don't even know they're doing it. Right. <laughs> but they're, they're, yeah. they're, they're picking you up, you know. Yeah, yeah it's true. It really, it really does make a difference.
0: Yeah, but. I kind of want to open that to all of you. What is stuff that you've seen from your writers, whether it's in the room or in the writing, that you're so excited about that, that you absolutely applaud uh, and maybe didn't expect?
1: Specific types of behavior or specific moments?
0: moments behavior uh like i said writing anything
1: uh you know and this is nothing to do with anything but <laughs> i had because this was all blind dates i um one of the women that i hired is like super brainy and kind of quiet and i thought i wonder how she's going to mix into this group of really valuable people and we have a couple people who are performers And um, she has just been, like, such a hit with everyone. But particularly, I have, like, a couple of younger guys on the staff, and one of them is, like, a young single guy, sort of a bachelor or whatever. They just, they're not people that I would have naturally put together at a cocktail party. And she went on set for her episode, and I took a picture of her with her cans and her whatever. And she posted on Facebook, and the first comment was from him, and it said, Miss you already, because she was going to be out of the room for seven days and that just made me happy yeah. just made me happy that those two people who I don't know that when they would have I mean it's not like they have that you know, little in common but I don't know that they ever would have connected and there is a family thing that has developed um, with everybody being in, in the room together and that is is wonderful <laughs> and it, it has to you can't force it to happen yeah. but you know it's sort of you can create the ingredients.
2: And also in terms of staffing a show like don't just, you know, you don't just want a bunch of people that think like you. You know, you don't want, you know, it's like you already know what you think. Sure. So having, having sure. eight other people who think what you think, you want people, you're like, I'm Bill Lawrence is amazing at this. He staffs, and you look around his room, and it's just like the most unique mix of people, and like people you'd never hang out with or wouldn't expect, but like, he, he knows. Like, I want just people with different points of view, different ideas, different and, you know, even different senses of humor that, you know, they're they're making jokes you would never make, but you're like, oh, wow, that's something I would never say, but that's hilarious, and that really...
1: I would say there's also one thing is, like, there's a very fine line between what you, you know, sticking to your guns, which I really want people to do, and then if, you know, if... if if eight people tell you you're drunk, go lie down, you know. Like, um, I tried really hard not to hire people who just need the win. Uh, that was, like, one of the things I looked for when I was meeting with people because that's kind of a trait that people have where they're just not going to stop until you agree that umami has the best burger. Um, and I tried to steer away from that towards people who really could, like, listen to other people because, if you know, if you... If you have an idea and it's great, it, it, maybe it's going to take a while for people to be sold on it, or maybe it's just not a good idea. And if eight people have just not responded yeah. to it, yeah. you yeah. just stop.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Read, read,
2: reading the room, like it's 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 reading couple, the room. I mean, just because, especially since you're a writer, like you don't you're not always the most socially adept person to begin with, and you're, you're suddenly in a, thrown in a room with ten other people. Yeah. And, like, you really got to know how to, like, read social cues and understand yeah. when it's okay to talk and when yeah. it's, maybe you don't talk. And yes. when You know, it's, yeah. like, and it's really, I mean, it's a very complicated thing and not totally natural to everybody. And I think it's important for people who have been doing this a while. I, I, most people appreciate it when you're like, hey, you're doing great. Right. But you got to shut up sometimes, you know. I mean, yeah. you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's a wonderful piece of advice to, to give to somebody. Or uh, I had you know, had uh, the opposite conversation, which is, look. You got to talk. Yes. you got uh-huh. to say stuff. Like yeah. it's not. I know you're scared. It's not all going to be great. It's not all going to be genius. We may, you know, we may not mm-hmm. laugh. But you got to start speaking. You know, and and both those conversations are 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 equally important. Mm. Uh, Rob, what what can one of your writers do to make your job easier?
3: Um. Wow. Uh, a lot of it's already been said. I mean, being being not not just upbeat but relentless. Uh, when it comes to, to solving problems. I mean, our show is such a, you know, week in week out, it's, it's, you're putting a puzzle together. Um, and I'd say the people who've done the best at the show attack and attack and attack and attack until it's done. Um, you know, it's, it's something I didn't necessarily expect or anticipate going into it. Um, you know, C- Craig and I had both, uh, Helped run various elements at Medium, but it it was not like it was not being responsible of you know for every facet of the show. And so uh, it was it was a lovely thing to find as the show started and as we had writers sort of come in and out. You know, I'd say the people who have done the best work um, can deal with with notes that you know that might at least at first glance seem to kill the story. (laughs) You know, Uh, but. You know, those writers can come back in a few hours or the next day and go, I got it, you know, and and you know it's you true. act three out you you act one out and
0: it's uh, but I'm sorry. You're no, good. nothing. <laughs> uh, for Aline, since uh, your show is a comedy that mm. has music, mm. can you talk a little bit about the process mm. of creating and incorporating that mm. both creatively and technically? Yeah. I am mean, for <laughs> And then just for everyone, uh, what are some of the things that you guys have gone to to fill up your well, Mm. creatively, spiritually, personally, Mm. that may have nothing to do with the show, but has inadvertently sort of helped your relationship to the show?
1: Well, I'll answer the second part first. I stalk some dudes. <laughs> yeah. and then um, the song so what we do is when we're breaking the story for a song for a, the, an episode we kind of know where when we're breaking a story we, we kind of often we have an idea for songs but like also because Rachel and I had a backlog of stuff but let's say we're breaking a new episode we look for areas that seem like they could be song areas and if Rachel's not in the room then I'll just kind of say that seems like a song area and I'll pitch it to her and say what do you think Um, Or I'll give her an outline and say, do you see a song area in there? And Rachel usually, uh, that is usually starts the process. And so she'll either say, I have a great idea for that, or I have some ideas for that, or no, that's this. It needs to be this. Um, And, you know, one of the big, and then we have other songwriters. Um, We have this um, gentleman, Adam Schlesinger, and Stephen Gold, and Jack Dolgen. We have additional writers, mainly Adam. And so she'll send them, ideas, uh, lyrics, maybe the whole thing partially or maybe just a direction. You know, one of the great things is like, writing songs is a different part of your brain from writing um, scripts. It's just people who can do that, people who are musically talented. So when I have to work on an idea for a song, it's literally like a person who speaks eight words of Spanish going like, I think songs should be (laughs) something about jealousy, maybe. Like, I can't express it in... um, So we have like a song, for example, that we're working on for episode nine and i had an idea sort of like what i thought it could be about so i wrote rachel this like crazy poem of um <laughs> psychotic poem with just like lyrics ideas that seem like they were some, some from someone's diary um but usually she just sees an area and she'll uh pop out with it um and so it's, it's, it's really one of the funner things. And then it seems harder than it would be because we have these two really super fast, really two or three super fast, really amazing songwriters. And the thing about songs is like they're kind of written very quickly or not at all, if that makes any sense, because they're like sketches. So there's either something there or there's not. Um, but I'm still amazed that Rachel and I will have a conversation about a song, and it'll show up in my inbox, and um, I wish I could tell you, if if more episodes had aired, I could tell you more about how some of these things were hatched. Um, But it's pretty hilarious, and it's pretty amazing. We do two, two, or sometimes three per episode. So we have a whole other... Track going we have Rachel Adam one of our staff writers Jack Jolgen Adam works with this producer Stephen we have a prepping second second that that's all she does we have an on staff choreographer so there's a whole little music and dance department going on the side at, you know and but that's under the and you know it's under the purview of the show so it's under the purview of what I'm doing and what we're doing uh, it's bananas. It's just, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I mean, if we get, we, we, we're doing 13, so we're doing 27 original songs, which is nuts. <laughs> um, and, but it's so fun. It's so fun, and the, the crew just lights up on those days when we're shooting a musical number. I mean, it's just, it's so fun.
0: It's really, really fun. That's, That's really awesome. cool.
3: My mouth's been um,
0: off this whole time. We're gonna have to do this. Let's do it again. go again. Um, very quickly, I do want to uh, ask the second part of that question, which was, how do you replenish your creativity? What, how do you uh, fill the well? Um, keep your answers brief, please, so we can get a couple more questions.
4: Yeah, sure. Um, uh, I think it didn't occur to me till the, the guy asked the question. James asked the question. Uh, uh, I, I go through phases like a teenager. You know, I mean, I think there's this idea like when you're an adult, you you have to be set in stone. Uh, I like I'll 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 just explore and be really into a, a genre of music for for a while. I, I, I don't know, it's sort of I I roam culturally, I guess, and mm-hmm. I think I get a I think I get for I've never articulated it until this very moment, but you know, I I do think that helps me
2: that helps me sort of stay fresh in the grind of of TV. Yeah. How about you guys? Uh I I just go home with my wife. I uh I find uh. Uh, she's hilarious and so smart and we just crack each other up and um <laughs> uh, I do uh, you go home to David's <laughs> wife? I think that was implied by your answer uh, Craig <laughs> yeah we talk about stuff and it's just like I, I find that very replenishing
3: Rob uh, I, I, creatively I would say um it's other TV shows movies uh I read a, a troubling amount of comic books um, but we keep our hours pretty, re- you know, I, I like to go in early so I can leave by 6 and I get to go home and see my kids and my wife and yeah, have dinner yeah, and having, having just that to, to sort of count on at the end of every day is, uh, is very helpful that's very healthy of you <laughs> question here
0: oh, okay oh boy <laughs>
1: This is for Robert. I'm Diana. Hello. And um, my husband and I just named our, our new dog Lucy Lou. Wow. <laughs> um, anyway, when, you, when you're talking about um, going to the well or getting information, when somebody comes with, in with a mystery or a crime and they have an idea, are you like, oh, we got to get you together with a, a scientist, a doctor, a, you know, to, to figure it all out? How do you figure out what they want to do?
3: Um, you know, it's, it's by the times... Uh, more often than not, by the time someone's pitching something like that, to me, they've already done the research. I mean, it's, that's not always the case sometimes, uh, you, you know, especially an upper level, an upper level writer who has, who has been through it, you know, again and again, and I know they can, they can find it. They may start with just a premise, because um, uh, why do all that research if you, uh, okay. if you know the premise won't go over? Um, but yeah, I... I How often do you guys
1: get scooped? Like, how often do you turn on the TV and go, oh, man?
3: You know, I I don't watch enough other procedurals to really have a sense of it. Like, I know one time this year, we were doing something about... um, cars being hacked uh, mm. okay. that bumped up against a story that c- CSI Cyber was going to do. Mm. So it's never, like, we'll hear about things that are well, in-house. CSI, or CSI Cyber, how many
1: things, they there's just hacking stuff, so. Yeah, Anything yeah, you're right. are going to hack, they're, they're going to hack.
0: But, but it's also, but uh, they're going to hack mics. Yeah.
4: They got, yeah. Every year there is, like, five or six things that every procedural show do. Oh, is that right? Do. Yeah, That's so, so you, you do have to try to, like... Um, I feel like I'm, I've gotten pretty good at first guessing that. Like, oh, everyone everyone will be doing... Uh,
1: Hacked cars. Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh, so, uh-huh.
4: like, okay, let's just... Let, I'll, I'll try to dodge that. That's yeah.
3: I'm so desperate for stories that won't stop.
1: <laughs> uh, let's also let's put your spin on yeah, yeah, by
0: nature of the show, it's going to be sure, different. Sure. <laughs> You're just playing <laughs> me. Uh, We have time for one more question. Does anyone have one? All right. Wow.
3: How do you plan for 13, adjust when you get back orders of scripts, and then extend when you
1: get the back nine picked up?
0: That's a good nuts and bolts question. question.
1: Don't know the answer.
0: Uh, (laughs) right. You're out of this one. Mm -hmm. Hacked (laughs) cars. Six episodes of Hacked Cars. This has happened for you. Have you gotten full orders
3: every time since the beginning? Um, Never. Officially, um, uh, we, we sort of we planned for it. Um, in, the, in the first season, we knew you know, we had thirteen, like everybody else. Um, we heard maybe a little early and off the record that there would be nine more. Then suddenly there were ten more. <laughs> you know, like so the, the number jumped to twenty-four, um, and we went from like being very excited to like, oh my god, how are we gonna, how are we gonna do this? Um, so so again i don't I, I unless I've missed something I don't think we are officially picked up for twenty four mm-hmm. but we plan for that, we assume it, and um you know we don't we don't try to break the season uh to accommodate shorter orders sure. uh,
0: and on jane I, and I can't remember what was the initial order for thirteen, and then you guys got uh, yeah, the more? initial
2: order was thirteen, and so we just you know we blocked out thirteen episodes of Jane the Virgin, and then as soon as we heard we were getting back nine, we blocked out those nine we did we treat it all as, as a big chunk and this year we just 22 episodes we just treat it as one full season and just arced all the characters through the whole season because just you know it just makes life so much easier and obviously you have to adjust as you're working through the season and working through storylines but uh, but it's hugely hugely helpful to have uh, to have those you know markers to aim at.
0: That makes sense. Uh, we'll end as we always do by asking you guys what you are watching on television. what are you excited or inspired by? Uh, I will also allow you to talk about comic books. Um, But what is your room talking about? Uh, What are you talking about with your spouses and
2: friends and stuff? And David, let's start with you. Oh, I don't own a TV. Uh, (laughs) I'm kidding. I watch everything. Um, uh, Yeah, there's so much. It's just, it's a little overwhelming. Um, All these three shows are fantastic. I've seen, um, I love The Leftovers. I love Veep. I love uh, Game of Thrones. I love... Big Brother, uh, mm-hmm. Silicon Valley, um, yeah, it's just a, a, it's just amazing. I mean, it's just the, the the from what it was twenty years ago, or even when I was a kid and watching like choosing between the Love Boat and Fantasy Island and Happy Days and Laverne and Shirley. I mean, it's just it's just the 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 amount of of interesting, exciting television. It's just it's great. It's a pleasure. There's too much to watch.
4: It causes me anxiety because yes. there's so much of it. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Um, what, are, what are you into right now? What are you watching? I, right days? now, I watch uh, the show that I'm, like, drawing inspiration from and am amaze, and, and amazed by is uh, Black Mirror. Oh, that it's, it's just so good. incredible. It's I so i defy buy anybody
1: great. to watch the first five minutes of the first Black yeah, Mirror and yeah, not watch the rest yeah. of it. That is a storytelling it's, clinic.
4: It's incredible. It's incredible. So, yeah, yeah that, that's that's my... Amazing uh, show. Unfortunately, there's only, like, five of them, but... Um, Unfortunately well, for your schedule. <laughs> yes, exactly. I think I'm on like number four. So yeah.
0: Uh,
1: I'll leave. I'm a true. I truly am a Jane the Virgin super fan, and I watched them the night they air. I love that show. Um, I loved um, The Jinx. Um, is that what it's called? My <laughs> brain doesn't work so well. Um, that we I watched like we watched that religiously, and we watched it. You know the. I loved Broadchurch. Anybody watched right. Broadchurch? That forget. was amazing. You must have seen that.
3: Broadchurch? Yes, the British. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That was phenomenal.
0: That was one where you thought when you heard about a second season, it was like, how no, did they how could possible. they possibly? Yeah. And then I thought it was better than the first.
1: Yeah, I love I, I love that show. I love those actors. Yeah. Um, yeah, I could go
3: on and on. There's so much good <laughs> <just> stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yet. These are all good answers. Rob. I uh, boy. Um I'd say the shows uh, that I, it's, it's not that everybody, I, I feel like Craig does. I mean, there's, there's more good TV than I can really keep track of, and it, it makes me upset. <laughs> <I can't, laughs> you know, it's not just a matter of finding them and factoring them in, but I, 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 there's shows I've never even heard of. It's, uh, yeah, it's what unwatched box sets are piling up. Recently, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, I, I, I got through Penny Dreadful recently, the first season, sorry, and, yeah. and just thought it was phenomenal, uh, and The Nick as well. Um, it, it looked too dark at first. I was kind of ready to, like, oh, I'll give it five minutes and, and, and just sped through it. They were phenomenal shows. It was great.
0: All good answers. Also, you guys are making some of our favorite shows, so thank you. Please give them all a round of applause. Thank you guys so much for being here. Thanks to everyone at CBS Studios for helping us out. Thanks to everyone at this here studio for helping us out.
1: Now leaving Nerdist.com. We'll <makes> be <noise>